Let me tell you something right now. Don't you get all fucking cute because you know you're 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 skinny now. <laughs> don't get all fucking like don't don't get all like even be a little smart ass guy. Don't 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 think you can. You're still just a little fucking bitch. All right. <laughs> It, it literally went into the uh, the digitized voice when you said "bitch." So you it went, <laughs> you know you're, you're just still a little just bitch. a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> It only takes a few minutes for us to jump back into our groove, and obviously I am the significantly more gifted uh, broadcaster and talker, so let me just uh, talk and say welcome to this joint episode, everybody, of um, the resurgent, the resplendent Bird Road podcast, and the ever-present, the ever-present, never-a-pheasant, piecing it together. And I'm Um, Jewish Dave. I'm Q. (laughs) Did I say I didn't say it? Did I? No, no. I just threw it in there. I just felt okay. like for old times' sakes. I was excited. I jumped right, the gun I'm, a little bit. Uh. I'm Q, and I'm Jewish Dave, and this is Bird Road, and also piecing it together. And this is Bird Road and piecing it together. Uh, so, Dave, why don't you explain to people what we're doing here? Like what the what the subject matter uh, of today's episode is? Absolutely. Well, you know, I'm piecing it together. We mainly just talk about movies, shows, come TV shows come up every once in a while, but. Uh, I wanted, as we're getting to the end of the decade here, obviously we're doing a top 10 movies of the decade list on piecing it together, Uh, but I'm also doing a top 10 uh, film scores of the decade, I'm doing a top 10 video games of the decade, and I thought it would make sense to do a top 10 TV shows of the decade, and of course Q is the person to do that with, because Q and I... Uh, we talk about TV a lot, and so it made a lot of sense to do this with him. And then, even though we've been on a little bit of a bird road break lately, uh, he kind of took the reins and sent me a big old little thing in Google Docs to fill out with a whole bunch of information and to. Uh, I just really realized: fill this is this out. a good way for me to be able to pawn off editing onto you? Can yeah, I, I mean, you? you're getting a bird road episode edited by me because of this whole shindig that we're doing. so apologies in advance everyone for when the for when the 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 drift kicks in at like the 24th minute and just continues for like another uh, like 18 minutes i promise that wouldn't be my fault <laughs> oh my god no drinking beer <laughs> so uh, yeah. tv's my shit dave it's not so much your shit anymore you and i used to watch tv constantly I try to fit um, in a little TV here and there, but it's just, I, I can't do it. It's really one hard. Of the, one of the things I realized in like looking at this whole decade of television is that I didn't watch TV in the previous decade. Mm. I had some cult things that you and I basically wore the DVDs out of. Yeah. Um, Stella, Strangers with Candy, uh, Upright, Upright Citizens Brigade, like maybe 10 or 15 different movies, Death to Smoochie, shit like that. Mm-hmm. We would just like come home. After a night of living actual life, right, exactly. at like two or three in the morning, <laughs> and just fall asleep to the DVD menu of you know, uh, a Fight Club or something. I don't know, or like a. Uh, well, let's be honest. Most of the time, it was Strangers with Candy. I Strangers mean, with Candy. More than was anything. the DVD mu- the DVD music that we woke up to with like Cotton Mouth and uh, <laughs> like you know with the with the sun peeking in. Wake up and eat cold pizza. <laughs> Wake up and eat cold pizza. And barf 
Um, <laughs> but that all changed in this decade for for me at least in a way that um, like I really am. I think like a connoisseur of TV. I'm really not doing the things I used to do. I'm not going out at night. My my life such as it is happens in between the hours of like seven in the morning and like nine o'clock at night. Mm. Um, it's, it's a, a much sort of more compact life. And I wonder if that happened to everybody. Um, I had put on this list of like topics for us to talk about and get into as we sort of go through a few, like sort of obligatory categories before we jump into our top 10 list. I just wanted to say like, what do you think happened? I mean, taking, the, all the bread and circuses, right? What they mm-hmm. say, the entertainment, the distractions, the thing, things that keep us, I don't know, like make life worth living or whatever. Right. Um, the sort of fulfilling and unfulfilling, community work, uh, you know, going out and being physically active. First time you and I ever hung out, actually, you don't remember this, but it was on a basketball court um, in uh, <laughs> Sunset Park. highly unlikely. No, it was. It was at Sunset, Sunset Park <laughs> in Las Vegas in uh, Henderson, Nevada. And, um, yeah, we had met in other places, but we hung out on a basketball court and played basketball, uh, with a bunch of other guys. Um, who does that anymore? Who's out (laughs) with their friends playing basketball? Like, like I have to imagine somebody is, and we're just too old. And that, I mean, really, that's what it comes down to. Um, I have another answer, but I do think the main one is, you know, as far as for you so and like I. So what happened? Yeah, that's yeah, the we, question. We, is like, what got, happened with, we got with older. this decade of television? That's the main thing. But no, what happened with television itself, I really, truly do think it, the answer is Netflix. I mean, like, so much content it, that it's impossible. There's so much constantly. And and it's not, not just Netflix's output, but every other network and studio has to compete with what Netflix is doing. So you've got Netflix upping the amount by multitudes over what, you know, any kind of just regular, you know, uh, sitcom or whatever network show used to be able to do. And now everyone else has to catch up with them. So they all have way more content at the same time. So there just becomes just so many shows all at once. And I, it's exhausting. For me, it's crazy the combinations of things where it was like there used to be these novel things where it was like, oh, this is the TV show that's about war. And then it's like, oh, this is the TV show that's about a bar. Right. And now there'll be like, this is the TV show that's about zombies, but in ancient Japan (laughs) and also an alternate planet. Like like, there's like every show is 10 things or it's IP, which I guess in that way, it's the same as movies. Sure. Well, that's another thing, too, that happened over this last decade. And again, it this stuff really did happen this decade. It's an interesting decade to talk about uh, because this has been the biggest change, I think, for television since, you know, God, like, I don't know, like the 70s or something. But uh, the another big thing is TV becoming more and more like movies, which I I don't particularly agree with that it's anywhere near as good as movies. But I know that for most people... TV is basically just more movies and yeah you know and and that I mean what was there the Sopranos and maybe a couple other shows but yeah. now that's every show it's I think if you look back show. at what was what was considered sort of that like early prestige TV when before that word was even a thing yeah. where ev- almost everything now with any decent budget every channel has a quote unquote prestige show and they all sort of melt into each other mm. they're not that unique they use the same color palettes and yeah, they evoke the same things, but like, there's so much of them. There's so many of them, and then you throw in all the streaming services too. But like, if you look at a show, 
that was really groundbreaking. Like, I don't know, did you ever watch Oz? I never did, but yeah, I mean, I I know that it's supposed to be amazing. Yeah, it was. I mean, like it, to watch it now, it's a little hokey and corny because they hadn't really figured out the algorithm of how to make those. You know, I don't know what the, how to even put them. They're like these sort of Damon Lindelof approved style, mm-hmm. like uh, Tony shows. They hadn't figured out how to make that the leftovers yet, and the closest thing that was around was The Sopranos, and um, so that was the most critically acclaimed television. And now you watch it today, and it's a little shoddy and a little hokey. The first couple of seasons of The Wire actually kind of look bad, <coughs> which is about, which is the worst thing you'll ever get me to say about The Wire. Right, but yeah. like the 2000, the, these two seasons that were, I guess, produced in like 2002, 2003 of The Wire, compare them to just like a run-of-the-mill stars show. And that show today looks a lot better. Right. Um, <clears throat> it could never match its narrative depth or like everything else about it, but. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say the other question I wanted to talk to you about is on the topic of like those tropes, like what, what's, what's finished. And this might even be able to extend for you to movies. Like I wanted to talk about the way that things have fallen out of, out of style or like no, no longer in vogue. Um, maybe some of it has to do with like wokeness or just generally like more awareness of, <clears throat> of other perspectives and maybe just some humor has turned passe. This is a topic that we talk about all, all the time. Sure. The one that I would say is like, is like the uh, the the lone problematic man, and mm. everybody has to like learn to live with him. I I don't know how many more times you can tell that story. How many more Walter? I've already seen the story of Walter White. I've already seen the story of Tony Soprano. I don't know if I really care about you know the the dime store versions of all of them. Um, I don't know. What, what, what do you think? Well, what are yeah. some tired tropes that you have had enough of? I was thinking about this question, and to, to be honest, like, I kind of don't think anything is finished, and that is partially uh, because of, like, what I was just saying about the, uh, the sheer amount of content. There's still going to continue to be basically everything. I mean, I almost would have said like the extreme, like shock comedy of, you know, the early two thousands, the, uh, you know, the, I, I guess like the man show and shit like that, like a lot of comedy central that that's basically done, but it's not completely That's more of a format, but yeah, I guess it's also the content itself. Right. The content itself is like kind of a thing. And I mean, it still kind of lives on. There's still a comedy central roast every year. There's still, uh, I mean, I think Tosh.0 is still on the air, is it? God I mean, somebody's still kicking around. Yeah, somebody watches it. You I know? Bet you that the, didn't we have a joke where we talked about how there's probably still like one and a half million people out there that just watch that every week? Yeah, I mean, there's still an audience for it, so it's still getting made. And yeah, it has definitely diminished, but I don't think anything has fully gone away. I was almost going to say sitcoms at one point, but. You know, the, yeah, they've fallen out of favor, but they're still there. You know, they're still getting Honestly, made. Honestly, if it wasn't for, and we'll mention this show later, but <clears throat> if it wasn't for, in the last three or four years, if it wasn't for BoJack Horseman, I would say I would say animation. Like, grown-up animated shows. Certainly I know a lot me. of people shit on BoJack Horseman, but I, I'm entertained by it. I think it's smart enough. It's not, it's not it as smart as everybody pretends it is. And it's funny. It's funny enough. It's got good parts and the absurdity. Is, I is saw great. it was just uh, given the number one spot on a list somewhere. I forget what it was, like maybe Variety, the best TV shows. And I was like, what? 
really? It's good. And honestly, for for this decade, I can't think of another good um, animated show that came out that I would really say is like up there with that. I mean, there's right. a, there was a whole slew of like fine animated shows at the beginning of the um at the beginning of the decade when Adult Swim was still trying to make stuff and yeah, yeah. before they just started replaying everything was Fox Fox mm-hmm. original shows. Um anyway, I, I would say <clears throat> I would say that that BoJack Horseman is like the the other the other thing that's maybe preventing me from saying that animated movies are done. Animation might be done. That whole kick from like I don't know, 80, 89 up until, what, what did The Simpsons come out? 89? Yeah. Up until like 2008, 2009? When did people stop watching Family Guy? Yeah. Well, I was going to say once Bill Hader got into South Park, which, I mean, I know we all love Barry, but uh, yeah, I, I do I do there. mark Bill Hader's addition into the South Park writing staff as the beginning and the end for that show. Wasn't it right when they did that documentary, the 24-hour documentary? Yeah, I think so. I think that was exactly around Because he was time. in that, I remember, yeah. and thinking like, oh, that guy from Saturday Night Live is in... This and I anyway. Let's jump into the categories. Um, before sure. we get into our top ten, I wanted to do some quick like lightning round shit yeah. and go through a few a few just categories generally that like demarcate shows that maybe didn't make it into our top ten. Sure. Um. So why why don't we start with uh a category that I called, and I'm gonna have you start, Dave, if if that's sure. okay, if you're prepared. Yes. I don't know if you're still writing your list or not. No, no, um, I'm ready. <laughs> so the first one is called The Abandoned, and these are those shows that start out really strong, but for one reason or another, they just sort of lose your attention. Yeah. Uh, and I think that there was a lot, with the glut of content you were talking about, there was a lot of that in this yeah, decade. Yeah, abs- absolutely. And uh, I'm just going to say for mine, I'm going to, like you said, lightning round, I'm going to go through all of them at once yeah. because they all share a uh, a, a running theme and I bet I know what it is. Can I guess? Can I guess what it is? Guess the theme. Streaming service. Streaming channels. Specific streaming service. No, Netflix. Oh, just yes. Netflix. 100% That's, okay. Netflix. Okay, yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, Orange is the New Black, Stranger Things, Ozark, Glow, and the OA. Uh, all shows yeah. that I loved at first. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I'll ever get back to them. You know, it, well, you know, you're only hurting you're only hurting yourself by not finishing the OA. The OA was oh, I, I want to. I loved the first season. It was so good. You know, for me, mine are um, uh, House of Cards. I'm kind of in line with you for a few of them. Like uh, a lot of a lot of my shows were Netflix or streaming shows. Um, House of Cards, Orange is the New Black. Uh, well, actually, just a couple. It was House of Cards and Orange is the New Black. The others are Rick and Morty. I've kind of fallen off the whole Rick and Morty thing. I, mm. I liked that at first, and you know. I don't know. I, maybe it's the fandom that kind of turns me off. Yeah, it, uh, we've talked about that on Bird Row before about yeah, how yeah, awful yeah. the fans are. The, it's just like it's like Fight Club. Yeah. I, it's something I love, and every single other person that loves it, I hate them. <laughs> um, <laughs> Showtime's uh, this kind of passed under the radar, and it was a show that maybe is again an example of a show that. 15 years ago, if I told you that there was going to be a 30-minute comedy on Showtime starring Jim Carrey, uh, produced by, um, by uh, 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 what's his name, the French guy, uh, Michel Gondry, it would be like, what the fuck, oh my god, I got that's appointment viewing. But this show, Kidding, I watched about six, ep- six episodes of it, I think it came back for a second season, 
didn't finish the first season, never. I never forgot so much else. about that show that I forgot to include it on the shows I wanted to watch and didn't get to. Like that's how much <laughs> I forgot that show existed. It just and flew I wanted under the radar. To, yeah, I wanted to watch it so bad. You know, a freaking Eternal Sunshine reunion. Of course I wanted to watch it. But. Likewise, fifteen years ago or ten years ago, at the, let's say ten years ago, because it's a good helpful demarcation for the decade. If yeah. you had told me like, oh, they're gonna make FX is gonna make an incredible, uh, well written fact-based uh version of the wire but in la Mm -hmm. i would be like i'm in but i watched almost the first season of snowfall uh on fx haven't finished any of it and i think they're like four seasons into that show i'm never gonna probably i'm probably never gonna watch that again (laughs) and then a show that started out truly the last one that i have is a show that started out truly incredible one of the best seasons of television i've ever seen preacher and uh Mm. on amc and that show just lost me in the second season, and it did not get me back in the third season. Hmm. Um, yeah, I so heard it's great, but yeah, it's I've never the first seen season. It it's just watch the first season. That's really all that's worth it. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I just wanted to throw in that I completely abandoned during this decade is all every news comedy show. Every, like, <laughs> John Oliver, Daily Show, Colbert, which is not a thing anymore, but like, even things that are like, serious news like vice the circus yeah bill maher which is not serious as comedy the weekly by the new york Times, all that whole thing that whole genre if you would have told me like oh that's going to be a booming thing i would say oh yeah i'm going to be there for that but specifically just in the last three years i've completely lost my taste for all of that uh, yeah it is the last few years and i mean it's since you know politics has gotten fucking insanely terrible but right. uh but yeah i did watch uh the circus and bill maher like pretty non-stop like for a while but now i can't even i can't even get through it anymore <laughs> dave our next category real quick we're gonna hum through them is uh the outmatched as i mm-hmm. call them these are shows that are basically um they we were aware of them they looked great we really wanted to get into them but there was just no way that we they were ever going to find a spot in our yeah. uh rotation so what do you got all right so my number one the biggest show that i really wish i had gotten a chance to watch um is search party uh so oh, many yeah you missed out you so missed many out. people i love are involved in that show, show and it just seems like it would be so great uh another one is escape from denimarin uh, also, the Danamora? leftovers. <laughs> Escape from Danamora. Is it not called Denamarin? <laughs> no, it's Danamora. It's I guess a, I should have. It's thought. a prison in upstate New York. Yeah. I was so certain that that's what it was called that I didn't even look up to make sure I spelled it right. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just like uh, this uh, Escape from Denamarin. <laughs> uh, also, the leftovers. Um, Barry, which I only watched like three episodes of, and I wouldn't really consider that an abandoned because I barely Go back got to into it. Yeah, Barry, Barry is really rewarding. Uh, so far of everything on the list, I would say go back to Barry. Also, Mindhunter, which I watched the first episode with you while I was in Florida. In Philly, and, yeah. yeah. No, or, we yeah, were in, in Philly. That's when we watched yeah. it. And, and I, room, I really enjoyed sweet. that first episode, but just never got to like really get into it. Um, and Incredible then one show. more I'll, I'll mention is I'm Dying Up Here, which uh, I actually read that book. I, <laughs> we know I don't read books, but I read that book, yeah. and I'd love to see how they uh, did with it. Which is the uh, the Showtime comedy that um, outlines, I guess, the early days of the, the, comedy, uh, store. the comedy store. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, which is like, it's like, it's close to reality. It's not exactly, like, the woman isn't the same woman. Like, the woman's name isn't Pauly Shore's mom's name. They, like, right. change the names or something, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. For me, 
Um, it's going to be a bunch of shows that I'm real, relatively sure you've never seen. Um, the BBC and Netflix had a show called Top Boy, which was The Wire, but in uh, in London. Which that sounds like incre- a phrase that you would just say like uh, yeah. every day. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to watch this show. I probably just never will. Um, Kevin Bacon was in a show that started this year called City on a Hill that looks incredible, which looks like sort of an extension of... Um, of the departed kind of it's like a boston-based crooked cop who done it type show looks awesome it's i'm just never gonna watch it power i always wanted to watch power it looks mm. fun it looks crazy it looks maybe a little overly serious which i like out of a show when yeah. it takes itself too seriously it's got 50 cent and yeah <laughs> so uh the shy which i think is also a showtime show and that is just about life in Chicago and mm-hmm. living on the South Side. Better Things never got into that. I would have totally loved to. I, I think Pamela Adlon's incredible. Yeah. Um, Pose I heard is one of the best shows that's on television. And um, again, it's something that I'm into, which is like subculture, New York, 1980s. I'm into that whole, all that stuff lines up for me. Yeah, never saw it. And then, like any time. Anytime as a capstone, every once in a while, someone will tell you, Oh, you got to watch this, and it's on network TV. And there's just no way I'm never right. gonna watch it. Another right. fucking thing on network TV. Every yeah. once in a while, people will be like, Oh, you got to sit down and watch Community, or you've got to watch, um, I don't know, uh, I don't even know what the show, the, the, the herbalist or something. I don't know. And it'll just be like, that No, I'm not ever, never gonna watch this shit. Not in a fucking trillion years am I gonna watch that. I kind of oh, wanted to watch uh, the two shows that were uh, with actors from It's Always Sunny, um, just to see if they were any good in these other shows. AP but, Bio apparently yeah. is pretty good. Uh-huh. AP Bio is like one of those that is lining up to have its own little quirky audience, I've heard. Yeah. Again, another one where people are like, oh, you should watch it. The Mick was from, I like I saw a few scenes of that, and it was not good. It no. was bad. Yeah. There was no writing. There wasn't any writing. It doesn't like, it surprise was just, me. It was just Caitlin Olsen acting out, which like she's super talented and she's fun hilarious, and funny but... and one of the best. But yeah, okay. Uh, the next category is pretty self-explanatory. The hate you hate to see it. Yeah. What are your hate watches, Dave? Okay, so uh, I kind of told you this ahead of time when we were talking. I if I don't like something, I am not going to continue watching it. So I really only have one for this category, and that is The Affair, which just wrapped up its five-season run. Uh, yeah, it, and I, I will say that the uh, series finale was not too bad. It wrapped it up pretty well. Uh, but starting season one was great. Season two was pretty good. Starting from season three, it was just the worst horseshit show. It was yeah. every episode. Yeah. It was like if you go down ep- like the episode list, every single one of them was trying to like squeeze in this like social justice warrior stuff that was totally out of place, and uh, and like the stories would just go in these strange directions. It would you know it did the whole um, two sides of every story thing you know. Since, you know, episode one oh, for like accusation, like me too stuff. Yeah. And it, but it would go into wow. like characters Bold. that weren't even Bold in the move. show. Oh, it was just, it was crazy. It was just, it, it was so bad, so poorly written. So like all over the place. And, uh, we watched it right up until the very end for some reason. <laughs> but, so but, my, yeah. my hate watches were, um, girls, which was a good show and I, like I just didn't like watching, but I watched all the way to the end. 
Uh, I have The Affair as well, which turned into a bad show, and mm-hmm. I kind of I dropped it. I didn't watch the last season. Um, mm-hmm. Outlander, which was a, a great show, but it was just like it was just something like there's a lot of rape, a lot of really really mm-hmm. bad rape, and the, also like all of the characters live in like ever present like mortal. Uh, jeopardy of being raped uh, like it was a show where everybody could be raped at any moment and i just couldn't stick with that um a uh, couple that i actually really love ray donovan and um billions i actually love these shows but they just make me so annoyed and like these shows are so dumb why am i into this show and uh i wanted to new... watch ray donovan but i never got around to it i don't i can't picture a world where you would watch ray no donovan. me neither um i could picture a world where you would watch billions that actually has some absurd humor that you and i would probably at least even if it's not intentional like we would kind of be into it we would watch that mm-hmm. um in an altered state or something uh the newsroom was unwatchable and somehow i watched it every week i don't know it had to be a product of like what else was going on like there must have been nothing else on at that time right right and then again another one from the like realm of like oh your character might be raped at any moment the handmaid's tale (laughs) i just like like oh that's a good one for this category because i watched that with gina and i feel kind of the same way about that one where i'm like i don't want to watch this show but i still watch it week after week I watch it and I'm like, oh, like a thing is like slightly going well for her, and I'm like, oh, let me guess, yeah, she gets raped or and, beaten and or then she's gonna shot, st- and then she's gonna stare at the at the camera right until the uh, so credits angry. roll up. Every like, and, well, time. how can how can you blame her? Because same yeah. fucking thing every episode. Um. So on the topic of disappointment, mm-hmm. our next category is the womp womps, <laughs> and those are shows that were like really big disappointments to us. What do you got? I got nothing for this one, seriously. Really? Because yeah, because I, I can't think of a single show that I started and then stopped, like and, and yeah, I mean I just really can't think. Like I think I knew going in, oh yeah, I'm gonna be into this show. Like I only have a few. I only yeah. have a few. One would be that show, the show that was I think produced by and directed the first few episodes by um uh by Cameron Crowe called Roadies. Mm. Which had about that, yeah, yeah. I think it was one of the Wilson brothers, and uh, it was just it was about roadies. I don't know, I don't know what to tell you. I'm dying up here. I gave that show a shot, it was dog shit. Um, Luke Cage was a show as uh, that's I I don't really have a lot of superhero shit on my list because it's mostly not really much good superhero shit out there. But Luke Cage was a show that I had hope for because that's a really cool character, and I actually liked that character when he was like guest starring and a lot of shit when i was uh when i was a little kid into comic books and um they just they made him so inert and like they made him like just this rock in the middle of the show that didn't change and was always exactly the same and was always right about everything it was just boring they didn't like do anything interesting with the character that's funny uh, for some then, reason i thought you liked that show but i, guess I liked it but i was really disappointed in it it was mm-hmm. like a huge disappointment gotcha. um and I'm one of the few like Marvel completionists where I watched all those fucking series and yeah, yeah. I expected I kept expecting them to build up to something and they just kind of never did. Um, and then bits luck, and pieces. luck we've talked about before is a show that was incredible. Like again, if I had told you that there was like a a show that was going to be who was like it? Terrence if I had told Mann. you the Michael Mann, um, uh, if it was like Dustin Hoffman, Michael Mann, Dennis Farina, 
you know, fucking Nick Nolte. It all like this all star list of people. David exec oh, produced by David Milch. That's who it is. Mm. Um, and uh, like if I told you that that was going to be written by David Milch, if I told you that that was going to be a TV show. Not a mm-hmm. movie, a TV show. Everybody would lose their fucking mind. Right. Instead, they killed a bunch of horses at Santa Anita Racetrack and had to cancel it. And uh, I don't know. It, it was like, it was okay when it was on. It was pretty what good. What a mess for that to happen. What a Jesus disaster, Christ. too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what are your honorable mentions? Let's jump into our top 10, but let's hear some honorable mentions again, just rapid fire from Okay, you. I'm going to rapid fire because I have 10. I, I just okay. I just wanted to just mention I have a bunch, too. Them. I'll just, I'll just I'll blurt, blurt. I won't there. describe them. People, if you're listening, you can just go look them up if you want to know more about them. But... Boardwalk Empire, At Home with Amy Sedaris, Love, American Crime Story, both the OJ and Versace ones, Master of None, BH90210, which I actually loved, uh, Blunt Talk, Crashing, Broad City, and Girls. Wait, BH90210, Beverly Hills 90210, the show? Yeah, it was like a one season that got canceled, but it was like okay, a, uh, okay. it was almost like a cross between like a Curb Your Enthusiasm, like, you know, kind of thing with an actual new season of Beverly Hills 90210. We should also right now take a moment to explain our methodology, right? These are shows that are, as we talk about our honorable mentions and then all these previous categories and... Um, and uh, the best shows, the top ten that we're going to get into, these are shows that are all self-contained within the 2010s. Oh, like, yeah, so, that's important. So there's no Breaking Bad on this list, uh, on either of our no lists. No Always Sunny. No It's Always Sunny. No Curb Your Enthusiasm. You know? Right. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. It so, had to start in 2010 or later. January 1st, 2010 or later had to be yeah. the first episode. Uh, my honorable mentions, I'm going to go down the list as well. Workaholics in Broad City, which is kind of like a two-hander those shows sure. used to show next to each other they're fucking fun shows to watch um i've i should say my own personal methodology right now as i bring out these two shows that are super special to me but probably would never appear on any top whatever lists of the decade my methodology and maybe you can say a few words about yours are just the shows that like made me the most happy and that i was most into, into watching like mm. and that might seem simple but i think that that lists like these tend to get muddled up with things like, oh, this was groundbreaking, or this was the first of its kind, or this was incredibly filmed, or the writing was unbelievable. And like all of my, I'd like to think all my shows have those elements in them and whatever, all the picks that I picked. But yeah. the, the, the ultimate thing is like, you look at Workaholics and Broad City. I just had fun watching those shows. They sure. felt good to watch. You enjoyed them. I, you know, I am definitely not, my list is not, uh, something where I'm trying to say, like, these are the best television shows produced. Like, I'm trying to right. say these are my favorite shows. That's what right. it comes down to. Like, like, like a TV critic would probably look at my honorable mentions list and see that I have Workaholics and Broad City, but not Fleabag. And they'd be like, oh, you're a Philistine. And it's right. like, yeah, maybe I am. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I liked Fleabag. It wasn't one of my favorite shows. Like, sure. that's it. So still hustling right down. We mentioned BoJack Horseman already. Mr. Robot I loved. I actually debated putting that in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Lady Dynamite, Leftovers, Halt and Catch Fire, which was a really was probably number 11. Halt and Catch Fire is what Halt and Catch Fire was. Um, Angry Boys, uh, trying not to have too much recency bias. That was <laughs> incredible. I see the look of confusion on your face. I don't know incredible, what the hell that is. <laughs> incredible show. Uh, maybe that's our next hang show. The next time okay. we hang, 
That yeah. might be our next hang show. From like, I think it was two seasons, 2010 and 2011. Okay. Um, or 2011, 2012. Vice Principals mm-hmm. uh, did not make my list, but is nonetheless incredible. Big Little Lies, really, really good show. I loved it. Westworld. Yeah, it is. Westworld is stupid as shit, but also really smart. And I just, I look forward to it every, I don't know, every every week that Westworld was on, I look forward to watching Westworld. Barry of this new world of like comedies that aren't funny, but are like sad. Right. Like Barry might be the best one. Right. And High Maintenance, a show that's just really important to me that I, my, my wife introduced me to a few years ago. And I think, um, I want to just one, say one thing about High Maintenance. High Maintenance. High Maintenance might have had my favorite moment of television in the last 10 years. It was an episode that they produced right after Donald Trump won. And uh, there was the there was a running theme throughout the day. High Maintenance follows the guy, right? Have you seen this show or no? I, no, I don't think I have. So High Maintenance follows the guy. The guy is the main character and his name is never, he's never named. He's your guy that brings you weed in uh-huh. Manhattan. And he's on a bicycle. He, you know, he, he we, we, we see these vignettes, these short, you know, windows into these people's worlds. Uh, and and the, the episodes are really driven by um, this, this cast of, of people that you never see again. It's uh, not rotating because they're gone. Like it, the only commonality is the guy, and um, there was one of and you, you meet his entire social circle. He's a pot dealer, so he uh, he knows a lot of people. And um, it's it's a brilliant show. It started out, started out as a web series, and I think it was acquired by HBO at some point. Mm-hmm. Anyway, one of the HBO episodes was um, after Donald Trump won, and it was the least treacly and cheesy and indignant like 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 liberal type response it was a it was it followed a character during this show who was a um, an immigrant himself and had all these concerns and like was at most at risk for what had just happened and the interesting thing that they did was they never came out and said during the episode what happened people mm-hmm. were just in this stunned state of shock through the whole episode like can you believe it can you believe this happened? And you just knew what they were talking about because it was Manhattan and they were all acting so, yeah. you know, ridiculous. It was a dour, sad episode. And at the end of the episode, um, the guy is with, I think it's his little brother or maybe it's his son, I'm not sure. And they're on a train and you followed them for the day and seeing like how they live, how poor people have to live and their existence. And this long train late at night that he has to take with this kid out to, you know, probably the edge of Queens or like, you know, like uh, Long Island city or some shit like that. Right. And the kid is just dancing and singing. And. I don't know. It was just this like really moving, touching scene. It was the best thing I saw on TV. So, it sounds like a good show. Great show. Totally recommend. Totally. Uh, let's jump in. Yeah, let's do it. Why don't you go? Our, why don't you start with ten. your number ten first, and All then right. I'll jump into my number ten. All right. So uh, number ten. Uh, I, I, I don't remember if you watched this or not, uh, but it was a show on Showtime uh, created by David Crane. 
Uh, it was Episodes with Matthew LeBlanc. Which, oh, I love that show. Yeah, Great show. I, I loved it. And it was the maybe the most surprising thing of the decade. I mean, I would never have expected that to work as well as it did. I don't think anybody really did. And uh, it, it was just such a great mix of comedy. Of course, the whole Curb Your Enthusiasm style, uh, you know, uh, you know, method of, of bringing a real life personality into the show, but with a little bit of a heightened thing. And and I, I just think yeah, it he did was it like dialed up. Way. It was Matt LeBlanc like dialed up. Yeah, is what, you, what you, you imagine in your head? Yeah. The fictional Matt LeBlanc is like, yeah. Yeah, and and it, it did a really great job of as much as, as much as he is such an asshole, and the main characters are such you know kind of assholes as well. But you kind of wanted everybody so badly to like you know get what they wanted and for everything to work out for everybody. And it really, I mean, it, it's great that it made it. It's you know full five seasons. It had like a really great full story arc. It didn't go too long, and it. It wasn't cut off too short. That's a really good pick. Right on. Um, my my wife and I watched that show. I mean, going back to before, I think before she was my wife, or hmm. before we had a kid, for sure. Yeah. Um, we love that show. Uh, my number ten is an Amazon series called Catastrophe, starring starring uh, Rob Delaney, Sharon Horgan. Uh, it ran from 2015 to 2019, like episodes. Um, a really smart, funny comedy that also ended on its own terms Mm -hmm. uh it was four seasons long it told a story of rob delaney's character on a work trip in london getting this you know british woman pregnant hey so great to hear from you i'm pregnant i don't understand you know we had sex about 25 times in a week and you wore a condom maybe twice why did you let me do that and then what comes next like they just had this week-long fling gets her pregnant and then what comes next is their life. And Rob Delaney has inserted a lot. One of my favorite celebrities, by the way, Rob Delaney. And he, oh um, yeah, he's great. I, I think a lot of people will know him as who listen to the show and don't know who Rob Delaney is will probably know him as Peter from Deadpool Two. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's just a hilarious comedian and a great comedic actor. And he was also the he and Sharon Horgan also wrote the show, uh, which I think some people might not know. It was this like kind of the height of that like comedy with notes of drama but also like hyper realistic there was a lot of his own story in there being a recovering alcoholic um having actually moved to the uk uh you know it was uh it, it was just a great show um and really light i think 25 or 26 episodes of television bbc style 28 minutes a piece yeah, I hadn't actually heard of it, but I like aside from you talking about it a couple of times, but uh, it, it sounds great, and I do love Rob Delaney. So, yeah, Rob Delaney's hilarious. Who's your nine, Dave? Number nine is something you had in your honorable mentions. It is Lady Dynamite. Uh, the oh, Netflix series is just uh, just absolutely one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Um, created by Mitchell Hurwitz and. Uh, starring Maria Bamford, again, as a heightened version, but an extremely heightened version of herself. Uh, it is a shame that this, this show one was, was cut made. short. That this show can get made. Yeah, should I know. say, even though it only lasted a few years, it should say enough about like what a golden age for television it is. Like, yeah, a lot of garbage gets through, but there would never have been a world where this show could get made. Yeah, I mean, 
absolutely best case scenario would have been in the early 90s on MTV or something like that. Right, but, right. Yeah, like, but this was definitely the craziest thing I think I've seen all year, well, all decade, I mean. And uh, it, some of the supporting cast, uh, Fred Melamed, I mean, it's some of the funniest things. That... <laughs> He's great. <laughs> He's so fucking good. But Maria Bamford, I, I've always loved as a stand-up, and, and it's great that she got a chance, even though it was only two seasons, to, to do this show. So my number nine is a, um, a show that nobody saw, and it is a very underground, uh, I think still available out there. You can find it on HBO Digitals. It, it didn't actually air on television. It only aired on HBO Digital Platform. Oh, I think I know was, what this is going to be. You showed it to me. This is a show called The Boring Life of Jacqueline. Uh, yeah, you, sh- you showed me a few episodes of this, didn't you? This, yeah. This, yeah. this is one of the most subversive and hilarious and real shows that's ever been made. They're only about 20 minutes a piece, I think. Um, there was only one season. It ran in 2012. But it was very much this, like, proto-version of uh, of what would become this, like, the girl in the city, but girls can also be pieces of shit, too, genre. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. we talk about like Broad City and girls, but that became like a big thing. It was sort of like an empowerment thing, but there's nothing empowered about this character. <laughs> Jacqueline, who's played by, who's played by uh, J- uh, the actress's name is Jacqueline Jonet, uh, who hasn't really gone on to do very much since the show, unfortunately, but is incredibly hilarious. Um, Michael Sarah is in the show, uh, some other un- lesser known actors. It was produced and written, I believe, by Mike White. Who oh really? Would go on to create a show that was much more popular, and but you could tell that this was sort of his sketch for that show. And that show was enlightened on HBO, starring which is Laura Dern, which yeah. is a great show. It's I should have put that list. in my honorable mentions. Actually, that was great. Yeah, enlightened with Laura Dern came out a couple years later, I think, and you can see what he was trying to do. Mike White is a guy who, I think. Uh, I mean, I'm not a woman, but he seems to understand women incredibly well. He makes put women puts women at the center of a lot of uh, what he writes. Look at this run for Mike White, by the way. Mike White hardly ever talked about, but starting in like 1999 for like sh- sh- the kind of shit that you and I like: Dead Man on Campus, Orange County, The Good Girl, School of Rock, Nacho Libre, and Year of the Dog. That's a fucking murderer's row, dude. Hell that guy yeah. is prolific as hell. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Such so an odd boring... If you liked any of that stuff, or if you liked any of that genre that emerged after 2012 of like, you know, we're girls, but we can also fart, and also we're kind of fucked up, but, you know, but that that's funny. Uh, if you like any of that, if you want to see the best version of it, uh, check out The Boring Life of Jacqueline on whatever HBO digital wherever you can find that yeah that that show was great i actually completely forgot about that you showed it to me one of the last times you were in Vegas. you were dying i'm sure you yeah. were laughing your ass off it was great it was really funny uh so i will go to my number eight which is something i'm guessing is probably on your list as well and that is hbo's true detective Oh my God, um, True Detective is my number eight. Nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> all three seasons. I I know a lot of people really hated season two. Let's but, talk about this. We're both. Yeah. We got a little bit of time. We can air it out a little bit here. We yeah. both have number eight as True Detective. So like, yeah. Let's jump in. 
season one we all agree on season three we all agree on let's talk about the elephant in the room season two yes it's fantastic man i i mean i thought it was great vince vaughn's noir his best performance ever yeah and and taylor kitsch amazing i I, and of course freaking colin farrell i mean seriously everybody at the top of their game and a really interesting story that you just really had no fucking clue where it was going to go and it i mean there's no way you could watch that that show that season week after week having any clue what was going to happen and i mean that's was what some you of want it, that show to be was some of it incoherent sure Maybe. did some things like never get called back to yeah, for sure. Was some of the writing a little stilted? And was Colin Farrell particularly the fucking lines they gave this poor guy to read? You like to bully kids? Ass, pen. Hold on, what is this? You 12 years old and you're already evil as fuck. Hey, oh, you can't talk. Stop, 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 stop. Stop, stop. How about that got you off, kid? Seeing people in pain. You ever bully or hurt anybody again? I'll come back and butt fuck your father with your mom's headless corpse on this goddamn lawn. Twelve years old, my ass. Fuck you. Colin Farrell. I I love Colin Farrell on this show. I mean, I I seriously. That's when I fell in love with him. He's one of my favorite actors because he's such a weirdo. There's but... a scene where he bought his son. The fat little boy that just disappears halfway through the series. Yeah. And then he leaves the, the, the voicemail for spoilers for season two of True Detective, I guess. <laughs> leaves the, the voicemail for but never it never goes through where where to believe. Um but there's a scene where his like dweeby son is being bullied and he's questioning his son, like what happened? Like wh- what 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 did they do? What happened to your shoes? There was a little thing happened last week. Boys. What happened? What happened to your shoes? Ray, goddammit. They took his shoes out of his gym locker. And what? What, shit on them? They, they cut him up. That's it. Crazy. Did they shit on them? <laughs> the little kid looks at him like, what? Why would they? Why would that be a thing that happened? <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> So weird. Enough said about season two. I honestly, my my theory about season two and like why it was less perfect and more rough around the edges and uh, messy and a little incoherent is that I truly do believe that this guy Pizzolatto, uh, the the uh, creator, the showrunner, the, mm-hmm. the in a lot of cases the director, one of these guys that takes on probably too much, um, took on too much. And right. he lost the incredible talent of the director from season one, whose name was what, Dave? Uh, Kerry Fukunaga. Kerry Fukunaga, yeah. yeah. And and tried to really impose himself on every element of the show, and probably, I mean, I think you can tell by the story that he wore himself. He he spread himself too thin. Right. Uh, but it still turned out so fun. And Tony, it was that L.A. noir that I really love. The it was he, part heat, which you know whatever. Yeah, that that's the thing. Anything it's missing story wise, it makes up for with tone and performances. You know, yeah, everybody absolutely. in it is so good, and the tone is so perfectly spot on. And so. drone shots. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, seasons one and three. What what can you say? Yeah, I mean, classic. come on. Season three came out this year. Season one came out way back in twenty thirteen, and all three incredible. 
Here's a, here's a quick question before we move on. If it had stopped with season one, do you think it would be higher in our lists? No. 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 It might not be season on one list. on its own is without like, season three. Without season two held yeah. its ground. Yeah. Season three put it on my list. Okay. Without the season three, it's not on my list. It's it's okay. it's too good. That was that was. Yeah, too I, l- good. I love all three of them. I mean, I think I think season three is fantastic. But season one is like such a monumental thing within this decade. But you know, that's the only reason why I ask. All right, so we both hit hit our number eight. You go to your uh, number seven then, my friend. Sure. Uh, number seven is uh, Fargo on FX, uh, which and Fargo this is, is Fargo is number four on my list. Okay, but so, uh, which is it. it's so weird for it to even be on my top ten because I still haven't seen season one. I actually bought it <laughs> and I haven't watched That's it. That's ridiculous. But I know, but of course this is a uh, anthology, ser- An anthology series. Anthology series. But, that does uh, have connections. It is yeah, in the same right. world. There are connections, and and, yeah. and there's definitely things for me to, to find out from that. And when I finally do get around to watching season one, I'm going to go back and rewatch two and three. But two and three on their own, though, especially being the anthology that is, uh, are two of the best seasons of television to me of the decade. Um, and, you know, Fargo as a property, I mean, it's absolutely insane that it works, uh, that it's uh, that that you would take the classic Coen Brothers movie and create a TV show in that world and with that that uh, that tone and that that just styling and for it to actually be worthwhile, I mean, it says a lot about you know what Noah Hawley's uh, you know been able to accomplish with this thing. We're gonna get to I think we probably there's another show that that is like this that we probably both have our list on mm-hmm. our list a little further down. Um, I'll be surprised if I'm the only one with it, but. Fargo is in this category of shows that, again, it shows the strength of this decade of television where they've reinvented the way things are done, where I call the category, there's no way that that's going to work, and then it does. Like, there's no way that you can tell me you're going to greenlight a television show based off of this movie and that it's going to be good. It's going to be so disappointing. There's just no way it won't be. And then season one comes out, incredible. Season two comes out, one of the best seasons of television ever ever made. Yeah. Uh, and season three comes out and is almost as good. Yeah. And is just killer. And uh, yeah, the, I have it further down on my list. Number four, it's got a great revolving cast. It has a, a, a great progress progressing cast yeah. where some characters who are in their 20s or 30s in one season are in their 60s or 70s in the next season. Uh, great callbacks thematically what they talk about like the concepts of the the way that they deal with mortality and with like the just like the sort of absurd fleetingness of life and mm. the the different uh, messages that they that that Noah Hawley's trying to convey I think hit on this really profound level and make you I mean it's more than just saying like oh it's deep it's like there's there's a philosophy behind this show yeah. And in the same way that there's a philosophy, no matter how much they say that there isn't, there's a philosophy about the world, a through line in all the Coen brothers work. Yeah. I was there... about to say there's books about the philosophy of the Coen brothers, you know? And yeah. so it, it's, uh, it, it is surprising, but at the same time, it shouldn't be surprising that the show taps into some of that, you know? So my number seven show is game of Thrones. <laughs> 
which is the most basic bitch shit that anybody has on their list. I was wondering Ava. if I, I didn't stop to look it up, but uh, if this had started before 2010. So this was after 2010? 2011. Oh, wow. In okay. Season one, which notoriously problematic or not problematic. That's the wrong word. Notoriously troubled. Season mm. one almost didn't happen. The episode, the pilot almost didn't happen. Um, people will remember that Game of Thrones was like almost canceled on the block. Because they the the pilot that they it was like one of those things I've heard it described where like the pilot was just like fifteen degrees off to the left and it just wasn't right. right. And they made them go back, do very expensive reshoots. Everything on that show was expensive, and that was before it had a budget. And I mean, like you had to be filming in three or four different places and this enormous cast. And um, anyway, it was one of the shows that, and I, a million people have said this before me, but. It is one of the last examples of monoculture, probably right. ever. Right. There will not be another thing that we all watch on. There, think about how sad that is. I know. There's never going to be another thing that we all watch on Sunday, and the next day we're talking about it with each other. It's never going to be that way. I know. I, I was actually just uh, thinking the other day about how great it was during Boardwalk Empire. Like that. That was the last time for me because I didn't watch Game of Thrones. But and that everybody... show had a had a tenth of the viewership oh yeah i'm of, sure of i'm Game sure but it seemed like everybody was talking about what happens the, the yeah. night before every monday even so yeah but, and uh, also game yeah. of thrones starting in 2011 and going extending into 2019 was one of the animating forces sort of bridging the pre and post streaming era like mm. when that sh when game of thrones came out in 2011 if you missed a show, if you missed a showing at nine o'clock, you were pretty much in a situation where you had to wait. Some people, I think, had on-demand or whatever. Like I had Xfinity at the time, and we had an on-demand service that was like very unreliable and it didn't really work that well. But mm. it was not the world of streaming yet of HBO Go and HBO Max or whatever, right? And all the other streaming services. So if you missed. The show at nine o'clock, like you were fucked because uh, your friends were going to be talking about it the next day and you right. weren't going to be. And what's funny is the Game of Thrones, I don't think it really hit that gear until 2013. Mm. It wasn't that ubiquitous show until the the Red Wedding uh, season and episode specifically. But um, yeah, so I don't imagine Game of Thrones is on your list. You didn't watch that show. No, I, I never got into it. You know, I the, the truth of the matter is that uh, the first three Lord of the Rings films really just wore me out when it comes to medieval, you know, action of that, you know, that kind of style. And I, I haven't really gotten into anything that is like that since. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't I don't know what else there is to say about Game of Thrones. I mean, it was just a cultural monolith and yeah, the it was last huge. of its kind. And no question. Um, for a lot of time that it was on it was the best thing that ever was on television for mm -hmm. a lot of the a lot of those episodes were tell like there won't be a height surpassed of the writing and just the concept of like people talking in a room being elevated like that that's the difference with great television versus great movies great movies will never rely on that two or three people talking, having a conversation in a room that changes everything and moves everything. And that was this incredible power that Game of Thrones had. Mm -hmm. The writing uh, was unsurpassed because of the source material that they were pulling from. Right. Um, of course, as they passed the source material, the writing nosedived <laughs> and became just dog shit. 
And uh, I, I don't remember. I always try to joke around. I don't remember what the season was exactly where they passed George R. R. Martin's books. I think yeah. it was either season six or something like that, or five or six. But everybody was saying, like, oh, well, season premiere. Let's see what they do now that they've passed the source material. And there was a line where Tyrion said something like, I don't think so, bitch, or some shit like that. And it was just like, okay, yeah, they, they're not going to be putting a lot of money into the into the writing. The writing is oh, going to be bad. Oh, no. <laughs> I was just like, okay, this is what this is going to be. I guess we're just going to figure out what these dragons can do. And that was like, it stopped being like a morality tale and an exploration of identity. And it stopped being this like multi-layered, like really really tasty thing that you could sink your teeth into on all these different levels and it became it became just like what are the dragons going to do this week and that's yeah. that's fun too like what are the dragons going to do I, I want to see you know <laughs> so what's uh, what's your number six Dave number six so this is a show that just came back like a week or two ago and I haven't started the new season but it is HBO's Silicon Valley all right uh, of course, we've talked. I about love this Silicon show Valley. Not on my list. Not on your list. Okay. No. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's just so funny, so smart, and while you know some of the last couple of seasons have definitely uh, the quality's gone a little up, a little down over the last you know I don't know two seasons I'd say uh, those first few seasons I mean were just freaking on fire. It was every week was so freaking funny. Uh, the main cast, as well as all the little side characters, everybody's great. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how this is the final season, I believe. I, I hope yeah, they wrap it, is, it up it well. So hopefully I got to catch up on last out. week's episode. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I haven't seen any. Actually, I think I still have the season finale of last season that I haven't watched. So I got to catch that first. But this is, we're, we're all over the map on like what's an abandoned show versus a top 10 show. Like I know, I know. But I don't think that counts as abandoned. That just means that I'm uh, I'm, I'm nine months late. That's all. As we get to episode uh, to entry number six for me, at least, I just want to draw a line of like demarcation where. Like, these shows now are shows that are super special to me, that I think sure. are, like, really, really good, and um, just were super powerful. Yeah. And show number six for me, like, there's there's a line there. Like, I'm looking at my top ten, and these four shows that I talked about before are all really, really good shows that I really loved, good enough to be my top ten. But this top six, six are, like, where you really get into the stuff that, that affected me. Sure. So... Number six for me is a show that was called Lodge 49. And this show was canceled. It was on AMC in 2018 and 2019. An actual real mystery show. A drama, a comedy, all those elements. Funny, clever, like kind of a kind of a mystery box show where you, like uh it's also it's a show it's also a show where like you don't know what little things are and what these Easter eggs mean and you try to figure out how to fit things together. Um but it was also an a mystery like an old school style mystery mm. but it was also a show that handled the concept of philosophy like just the way that you think about the world and the way that you interact with other people who think differently about the world um better than a billion other shows that have tried to just like surround that same real estate mm. Lodge 49, if I were to summarize it, it was just a 
show about a character named Dud who was played by uh, Kurt Russell's son. Yeah, Wyatt Russell, who um, I think I don't know. I don't know where people would know Wyatt Russell from. He's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, he was uh, in Bridget Goes West. I don't know if you ever saw that or not. No. He, or I'm sorry, not Bridget. Ingrid Goes oh, West. Oh, he was in. He, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I know Wyatt Russell absolutely. Yeah, and he was in he, Overlord, uh, which he was great in that. He was in. Um, I think other people might remember him from an episode of Black Mirror that was. I think the one that came out in like 2016. He's also in Everybody uh, Wants Some. Yeah. Yeah, he was in Everybody Wants Some. Yeah, um, so great, incredible performance by him over the course of two seasons, where he played Dud, Dud this sort of um, wounded, metaf- metaphorically and also literally wounded, uh, wandering beach bum who was just sort of trying to figure out life and taking life as it came, who stumbled upon this lodge that was like a you know like a. I think a lot of people thought that it was supposed to be like a something that was darker, more sinister, like a, um, you know, like a, uh, like a secret society type lodge. It wasn't. It was one of these more like traditional lodges that is like a, um, uh, God, I don't even know what the real words for them, what, what the real versions of them are. Mm. I guess Lions Club or Knights of Columbus type shit, you know, that kind right. of thing. Yeah. Uh, and he stumbles on it. He's by far like one of the younger people to get involved because in, in the lodge because it's mostly, um, it's mostly older men and some women that are involved in it and their quest to save this lodge in, uh, in, uh, in Long Beach, California turns into this deep mystery about the machinations of like a secret society that's running the world. And, uh, it's just tender and it's smart and it's fun. And I looked forward to it every week. AMC canceled it, unfortunately. Um, right when it was getting really, really, really fucking good. But number six for me is Lodge 49. And I urge everybody, even though it got canceled, totally worth it. Go watch that show. Right on. Well, I will go to my number five, which I have a feeling is going to be on your list somewhere. Um, And that is uh, Donald Glover and Company in Atlanta on FX. Uh, Honestly, two of the best seasons of television of the decade. Uh, Every episode, just so, so many just groundbreaking episodes (laughs) episodes <laughs> where i mean some some of like, what where they do, do you start there's yeah. so much yeah. i know like we could seriously talk for an hour about some of our favorite episodes like there's we could so talk for an much. hour about just like teddy perkins we could talk for an hour about <laughs> seriously i could talk for an hour about <laughs> about the scene in a restaurant or in a, in a fast food restaurant where they say that he can't have the kids meal because that's a real thing yeah and like and being <laughs> broke you learn those things. Like that's a real thing that somebody who wrote that was broke yeah. at one point. Like yeah. that's a real, like incredible. Uh, Atlanta is number two on my list. So right we, yeah. let's chop it up. Let's talk about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I mean, first of all, I mean, Donald Glover, of course, was already well known for his music, at least, you know, within the hip hop community. But I mean, such a talent. Well, millions and, and millions more people knew him from the community show though. That was like one of the most true. popular shows. I always on. forget he was on that. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I mean he was known for a lot of things then, but Pretty well but known. I mean I you know who wasn't known was uh, Brian T- Tyree Henry who was and now like he the, is huge he's the biggest everything. star in Hollywood now apparently yeah. <laughs> he's like in every every movie absolutely uh, also Jaja Beats um, yeah so in so much stuff now Lakeith Stanfield yeah. oh yeah absolutely uh, and uh, one of the fellow writers 
who's starting to get like more he's not really doesn't really get more more parts is uh the guy who actually plays clark county oh, look at this dude this clark county dude he's making money hey, man hey flex on the bitch like i just got a chat like haters gonna hate like until they see me in the face and they all like sorry baby mama like and then it's in a home with a good night bars in his hands like good night and we drink you who like a dirty sprite yeah. i hate this shit he's one of one of the creators and writers <laughs> and apparently he's a partner of um he's like one of uh i wish i could remember his name off the top of my head but i can't he's one of the like key core writers he's like the what's his name from the eastbound universe of uh, the uh jody, jody jody hill yeah yeah it's like you never really see him but yeah. he's like one of the key people that yeah he uh apparently is, is i could i could talk for an hour about the scene with the producer where he like <laughs> he basically tells them that they tells uh like um who is it brian tyree henry's character and uh lakeith stanfield that they have to leave because they're gonna basically kill the producer that fucked up the recording and didn't arm the tracks. <laughs> <laughs> there's just there's too much to even go into specific scenes. Teddy there's Perkins. I mean, like, there's so much shit happening. Every that song that is written for the show is. I will amazing. say that my favorite thing that my favorite thing uh, uh, about Atlanta is in an era where. Um, I don't want to spoil any other shows that are on either of our lists, but there was an era that was tipped off by one specifically groundbreaking show that turned into a um, a genre of complicated funny men mm-hmm. who everything bounced off of them, and there was this like uh, internality about like everything that the way that they interacted with the world, and the assumption was that the show would be funny, and the shows were funny. Uh, but they also were uh, like complicated and dark and sad in some ways. Atlanta was different and subverted that. It was the next in line in that, and it also literally in terms of time time uh, uh, time slot on the network that it was on. It was literally like the next in line of that type of show, but chose to be Donald Glover chose to make it a very external show where his character, while you experience a lot through him. It was mostly things bouncing off of him around him. Right. And he he was, I think, wise in not trying to redo that that formula and to make the whole show the Donald Glover show, what's going on with with uh with uh with his character this week. Maybe we can spend an entire week where the most we see him is on a phone call for five minutes and then he's not around. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's this talent that will help you know, a guy like Brian Tyree, maybe the Ty- Brian Tyree Henry is the kind of talent that can take entire episodes at a time and make them all about himself. Yeah. Um, maybe there can be really, really, really good flashback episodes, uh, which other shows have done too. But um, anyway, I think Atlanta, brilliant show, number two on my list. So I, I've actually nice. forgotten where we're at. Where are we? Uh, well, that was my number five. So we're okay. So five? my number five is yet another two-season cancelado <laughs> did not make it. Uh, Amazon's, again, a show that is super important to me and that I really, really like and that I'll probably rewatch every year for a long time. The Marvelous Amazon's, Mrs. Maisel. Amazon's Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. No. <laughs> um, Amazon's The Patriot, created by Stephen oh, Conrad, yeah. directed mostly by Stephen Conrad, which follows the uh, misadventures of John Tavner, who also goes by John Lakeman, who is a intelligence officer that's uh, 
got a lot of things going wrong for him and is perpetually exhausted and is just always tired. Um, it has some themes that really resonated with me, which were uh, some of them included like just the propensity for things to fall apart and not work. Things just always fall apart and don't work. Things that are being that you're being assured of by other people will be there for you. You know, in many cases, like Tavner or Lakeman has an, an extraction plan or support lined up from his from his agency, and it just doesn't turn out to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, this show is not God. It sounds like I'm describing Homeland, and it's so <laughs> far away from being that. It's just this quirky, weird, thoughtful, slow, quiet um, uh, rumination, really on on intimacy and male intimacy mm-hmm. specifically. It's about men being friends, and like yeah, it is pretty male focused. Honestly, I gotta say it is, um, but it's done in such a healthy and interesting and smart way uh such a tender way i really loved it and funny just a fucking funny show um the patriot yeah that is my number five show and um came completely late to it by the time i started watching it it had already pretty much gone into the uh into the realm of cancellation like it was it was a known it was it was being room there were rumors flying around that it was going to be canceled by the time Mm. I, i binged it my wife and I binged all of it in like a matter of a month or two. And uh, it's just an incredible show. It's it's one of these shows that it's hard to describe because you hard it's hard to know what you're watching when you're watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah. I, 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 I honestly thought it. you might have it at number one because how you've talked about this show in the past. I know how much you love it. And If uh, there were yeah. two more seasons of The Patriot that uh, were the same level as the two seasons that exist... It could be my number one show. I mean, don't get me wrong. The next four shows are great fucking TV shows that I really yeah. love. You take the next four TV shows and show them to a TV critic and put Patriot in with them, and it's going to be a one of these things is not like the other, right. where it's like, what? What? I don't. I don't. I, I heard about Patriot, but I didn't even watch it. That was the big thing. Everybody was talking about how like, oh, they've heard about it, heard good things. And yeah, I got to get to it. And not enough people got to it. Or that I don't sucks. know. I honestly don't know how, how Amazon makes decisions. Because Amazon Prime, as a vertical, has to be a fucking loss leader. There's no way they're making money on Amazon Prime right. Video. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. not something they're making money on. That's just like a... The, the, the My understanding is that the business model of Amazon Prime is supposed to be, oh, we know that you watched, you know, seven episodes in a row of The Patriots, so we're going to sell you... Uh, action figures of the Patriot or something like that and like that's the way that all this shit is going to work like with Apple right the Apple streaming platform it's supposed to lead you into more hardware purchases the Disney platform is supposed to lead you into more uh, experiences and rides and movies like you're supposed to go to the you're supposed to go to the next uh, princess movie that comes out right and the toys and shit right and that's that's why I do think that you might get your wish one day and see Netflix get destroyed because Netflix is only content. Yeah. Everything yeah. else is buoyed by a larger business model. I don't so that all that is to say, I don't know why Netflix or I'm sorry, I don't know why Amazon Prime makes decisions like canceling a show like The Patriot. Um but 
it's it's a fucking injustice. It's an injustice. The show was nobody was doing or or writing or saying the kind of things that were being done on that show, and the themes that they were exploring, unreliability of 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 uh, people who you rely on, um, the way that you can be alone in life, no matter how much mm-hmm. support it looks like you have, how people can be. I think my favorite theme that I think is underexplored and that is most pertinent to what's going on right now in the world and specifically in our country is loneliness. Yeah. And nobody talks about loneliness enough. And to have a show that explores characters who are truly lonely, but not in a two-dimensional, easy-to-write kind of way. Like, oh, he's sitting on a bench and he's sad. But like, really just despairingly adrift like right without anything to hold on to and experiencing their life and the, for this character uh tavner lakeman to, to the you see the way he goes about with this like reckless abandon in his job this brutal really brutal inefficiency of the way he fucks up constantly he doesn't have enough that he's connected to um even his like imagined utopia of like moving away with his wife is something that I think only feels like something that he thinks he's supposed to want and doesn't actually want it. So, uh, yeah, Patriot, watch it. All right. And you know what? Before I go to my number four, uh, I just want to say I don't want Netflix to uh, to die or anything like that. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so my, my number four is uh, Better Call Saul, a show that had to have been a major gamble for them to take the chance uh, to actually do something like this. Of course, there's been spinoffs in the past over the history of television, but I don't know, for a show as... I, well, I guess I guess there's been ones uh, off of shows that beloved before, but I mean, just so soon after it ended, after Breaking Bad ended, and with a character that nobody would have really expected for the uh, for the series to carry on with, and then for it to work so incredibly well. And you and I have talked about this before. I know we're kind of in the minority on this, but I truly do believe that Vince Gilligan has become a better uh, writer, better show creator. And I mean, I-, I think that this show is better than Breaking Bad ever was. Better Call Saul is better than Breaking Bad. Um, yeah. Right now, four seasons in. I think Breaking Bad only made it five seasons uh, intentionally. It's not like anybody canceled Breaking sure. Bad. Yeah. Um, it, it had five seasons of story to tell. Um, I think it's on hiatus right now. Better Call Saul. I, I think it was like, I don't remember when the last time they did a season was. Better Call Saul is number three on my list. Oh, um, right on. Yeah, it's coming yeah. back this year. It's coming back in February, I think. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. Um, the 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 depths of the character of of Jimmy, as we've come to know him during these these four seasons of television, surpass uh, anything that Gilligan did on Breaking Bad. I agree. Um, it surpasses the the tenderness and the interesting nature of what this like uncouth kind of dirtbag lawyer, what we thought he was heading in um, to this series, based on what we learned about him in Breaking Bad, are so much more interesting to me than the descent of Walter White. The like unmasking, I think, is the way that you would describe Walter White because sure. Walter White, I think, what we were meant to believe about Breaking Bad is that. Walter White was always a villain, and he was always uh, uh, what he, Heisenberg. He right. always was that. There was just a chemical reaction that was waiting to happen mm-hmm. to make sure. him be that, right? Great. 
I'm no, I'm not here. I'm not coming to. Sh- I'm not coming here to shit on Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad is right. one of my of favorite all time shows. Absolutely. Better Call Saul's better. It's a yeah. better TV show. Um, technically, it looks better. Like he's a better shooter now. They right. found a way to make the life of this lawyer and the life of this ex-cop security guard turned henchman and the life of this, uh, you know, this struggling woman lawyer. They found a way to make that mid-2000s trip through Albuquerque look more beautiful and more mm-hmm. compelling. Than, and the things that they do with the camera, the the tension that they're able to build within scenes that he's and, that Vince Gilligan can do. And the, speaking speaking it, of that, the, the production design is so authentic and, and perfect for that for that setting. You know, it's just Unreal. incredible. Yeah. Um, I think of some certain, some standout scenes. I mean, there are so many standout scenes in that show, but a couple come to mind. One is um, the way that they build like this dull tension leading up to the uh, I think her name's uh, Rhea Seahorn. Her character mm-hmm. Kim, uh, the way that she's she has a car accident at one point, and the way that they build in that scene to her actually kind of falling asleep at the wheel and causing this wreck yeah. is so deftly done. Like it's so well done, and it's just like it's not shock, and it's not like a lot of car crashes on TV or movies are like rely on on just suddenness, right? And yeah. this is not that. It's like there's a gradualness to it that is incredible. And then there's a scene where after the death of his brother, um, Chuck, uh, Jimmy is put in charge, is one of the several executors of a, uh, a, a charity, basically, like to recognize or to empower, or give a scholarship to <clears throat> upcoming law students. And he goes through this... Um, with other lawyers who are far more successful and have better pedigrees than him in this law firm. He goes through this vetting process with a bunch of candidates and we see a sort of a montage of all the candidates, right? Do you remember the scene I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then there's a scene afterwards where they're all very well qualified, but one comes from like a lower socioeconomic background. She got in trouble when she was young. These are all like 18-year-old kids and this one got in trouble when she was 14 for shoplifting, but then went on to have all A's and B's. And Jimmy makes the plea for her to be the one that gets the award because she's the one that can do the most with it. Because I think he sees himself, we're led to believe, it's clearly shown, that he sees himself in her. And uh, because he's a bit of a 'er ne'er-do-well, kind of a scumbag. And she doesn't get it. And he catches her out on the sidewalk. And the scene that I'm trying to share here is him, that I'm giving context for, is him just kind of grabbing her by the shoulders and telling her, You were never gonna get it. They're not gonna give it to you? So what? You're gonna take it, and you are gonna win. And the higher you rise, the more they're gonna hate you. Good. You have to understand, the people in that room are never gonna accept you, and they're never gonna let you in. But you know what? Fuck them, because we're better than them, and we're smarter than them, and we're going to take all their money. Did you you cheer when that happened? Yes, I was like, (laughs) fuck, yeah. Uh, Oh, my God, that was one of my favorite scenes of television of all time. It was so good. It was so moving. And the girl, I don't know who she is, young actress who's, like, supposed to be 16, 18 years old. You see her, like, go from, why is this creepy old guy bothering me? And then kind of like, what is he talking about? And then acceptance and then like 
like nodding her head in agreement like yeah okay okay yeah. he like he sells her he yeah. sells her in that moment you know then, one one last thing about the show before we move on to the next one um but you know the both of us coming from a background of just sitting around drinking and watching alt comedy all day you know <laughs> during our 20s how great is it for bob odenkirk to get incredible. the chance to incredible do something that bob like odenkirk this. is like this well respected he also had a tv show that came out this year called undone that i don't think you got a chance to see i did not but i i heard about it incredible tv show and it's so funny because he's still funny yeah, and he's still like quirky and zany or whatever. He's been he, in some however. movies too. He's in that uh, Spielberg movie. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's great. He's great, and I love that he's getting this like second act as a good actor that gets to be still funny a little bit. You know. Yeah. It's great. Um. Yeah. His career has it's it's great that his career turned into this. It's so good. <laughs> and David Cross, both of them. Like I, oh, I love that yeah. their careers turn into this. Uh. So yeah, what is your number two because we already talked about my number two uh well no my number three i gotta do or your number three yes. we've talked about my number three that's better call Saul. so tell okay. me what your number three so is my number three then now I, I for a little bit i was thinking about not including it because of recency bias but i absolutely had to because it's it's where it belongs uh it is Danny McBride and Jody Hill's The Righteous Gemstones, which <laughs> is the best thing that's happened all year. We all know that movies are my thing, but right. this is above movies this year. This is my, my number one thing that's happened this year in any form of entertainment. Uh, it, it, it is just the most incredible show. It is There are so many incredible moments. It is... I, I, I just can't so speak fun. highly enough about it. It's 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 a it's a variety show. It has like <laughs> dancing and singing. Teacher said don't, but I said it anyway, misbehaving. Preacher said no, if you do, you're gonna pay misbehaving. Kicking and spitting and cussing out loud. Running through the house with a pickle in my mouth. Like I mean, the world building where they where they show you the world of this ridiculous compound and this and like, yeah world building is a great like phrase to use for this because yeah there's so much it's so rich with so much and then of course you get the back you know backstory episode and which fills it in even more and i mean yep. it's just so rich with character and i everything is just so it's a great show on its merit and then you add in two words Walton Goggins. Yes. And it just... A treasure. Or, a or three words. Treasure. Uncle Baby Billy. Uncle <laughs> Baby you, Billy Freeman. <laughs> there's nothing funnier that happened all year than just a character being called Uncle Baby Billy. This, I would actually really love to watch a document, like a feature-length documentary of him showing up the first day to get makeup. And... <laughs> <laughs> to get turned into this character. To get turned into Uncle Baby Billy Freeman. Oh, um, my God. This show does not appear on my list, but it might be worth it for me to explain the Danny McBride, Jody Hill universe. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, the important... Like, <sighs> these guys are a victim of their own formatting on my stupid list that they're never... That none of those guys are ever going to care about. But I have to explain why my... Probably my two favorite creators of television in the last 10 years don't appear number mm -hmm. one technically eastbound and down came out in 2009 sure. and lasted up until 2000 i think 13 it yeah, had four that's seasons why it's not on my list eastbound and down would have been maybe number maybe number one on my list it was no show made me happier and made me laugh more than eastbound and down no individual has made me laugh more than danny mcbride in mm -hmm. this 
decade if you count movies, if you count everything. I've probably laughed more at Danny McBride shit than I have at anything else. Absolutely. Um, Vice Principals was incredible, but it was only two seasons. It was really Mm -hmm. short. And it was the least of their three shows. And then, yeah, the other one is only one season in. So, like, if I could have melded all those shows together into a show, it would have been the defining show of this decade. I would say the defining comedy of this decade that nobody else has been able to figure out that Danny McBride has is the understanding of the of the of the American mind. Oh yeah. Of what Americans are. Of like the simultaneous stupidity and know it allism, the contradiction, you know, like where you know, Americans just think that they're the smartest person. Every one of them thinks they're the smartest, most capable person in the room, but is also just profoundly stunted and incapable and uh and and and, uh like crippled by feelings of inadequacy can i just really quickly interrupt you because so here's the thing um my i'm gonna break order my number two is vice principles so that's why i want to actually just get that out of the way so that way while we're having this conversation let's talk about the let's talk about the 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 what do we call it the jody hill verse the 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 danny mcbride verse yeah i guess so the extended universe of these southern you know most of it happening in north or south carolina in the carolinas where i think danny mcbride is from yeah these three shows we can kind of take them as 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 one right because they were the outgrowth the outcropping of what we uh what we thought of as like the best comedy of this of like yeah. it was it was the growth out of that um like there was the mumblecore and there was the Jed apatow shit of like all of the of the, like the late 2000 aughts or whatever sure. and it turned we were like okay well what's this gonna turn into because that this is gonna get boring and old and that's kind of what it turned into. It turned into like Danny McBride and Jody Hill. Yeah, well, you were just talking about like that, like the the a section of these just kind of like broken men. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. like white men are in a place right now where they don't know what the hell to do with themselves. They're and so fragile. Yeah, they're, they're fragile. They're they just and the, these shows better than anything dig into that and that that that. Thing, that that thing that's happening in the culture right now and do it in such a, a perfect way and, and the thing about vice principles to me and the reason why i put it at number two instead of three they could have almost been a tie the two shows but because it's a complete story and i mean they did say that that they intended it to be a two season show like that was the yeah. arc and and so the fact that it's a complete story is why i have it one step higher than which uh, which they actually they actually also said about eastbound and down right they always seem to get what they want apparently (laughs) well no but they even said they only wanted to do two seasons of eastbound and down and they were talked into the third and the fourth right exactly yeah so i mean i guess we'll find out what happens with gemstones we're getting a second season and i don't know if they've actually explicitly said how long they want it to go on but uh I mean, what they're saying with these shows is just, I, I think it's great. I think it needs to be said. And overall, it's just so fucking funny. It, I will say the one, my, my one thing about Gemstones is that as the season went on, mm-hmm. I think that the comedy got better and the performances were, as they got deeper into the characters and you got to know, like you didn't even really know what baby Billy Freeman was when you met him. But by the end of the season, you were like, 
Oh, that's so baby Billy. Like you yeah, knew him by that. Absolutely. And Judy. But I will say that my, my only criticism, <laughs> my only criticism of the of of the show is that they were dealing, I think, with some very big themes at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. And they had mostly abandoned them in favor of like kind of goofing around mm-hmm. by the end of the season. They had introduced this concept of like accountability and abuse of authority and um what you can believe and what a huckster is versus sure. somebody you know like confidence like gaining confidence and and uh mass manipulation they had these really big ideas they were playing with that they by and large gave up on around the flashback episode and i feel i feel like they it didn't became give more up. of a family drama it became more just about the family which is fine they mm-hmm. were fucking hilarious they were so yeah. good but you know i think it's always under the surface though even in those later episodes and it's i i I want to. I, I definitely want to believe that it's going to be coming back to some of that stuff in the next season because they, definitely they set it up and then they wanted to get into the family stuff. That that is what became more important. You're absolutely right. But I think yeah. it's all going to continue to come around. You know, I think they. I think they knew ahead of time that they had the time to work on it. You know. So I think we're at our number one shows because we've talked about everything else, right? Yeah, because your number two was something I'd already said, right? What was Which, it? if by 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 virtue of this show not being mentioned yet, I think we both have the same number one show. That would be crazy if that's what it is. I'm, I'm going to be actually very surprised. Um, uh, yeah. Okay, why don't we say it on three? You ready? All right. One, two, three. The Tonight Show. <laughs> Wait, hang on a second. No, that can't be right. Wait, this isn't right. There's no way your your number one show is Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yes. Wait, how how is that possible? Wait, how you haven't even mentioned? I can't believe this. I this is my number one show, and you did not mention it. I, the I'm, number one show of the decade is Louie. Louie, first of all, came out before 2010. Came out in 2010. No, it didn't. I, I'm, I'm, now, I, now I'm doubting myself. It might have to be Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. It says 2010 here. Oh my God, you're right. June 29th, 2010 was the premiere. Have I blown your mind? Have I you upended have blown your my mind. For list? some reason, I thought it was 2009. Yeah, I was including it Where with Breaking Bad, fit? and it's always sunny. All right, let's let's give Kimmy Schmidt its moment in the sun. I love that show a lot. It didn't make my top ten. Uh-huh. Um, it probably should have been an honorable mention. I just forgot it. Yeah. Um, I felt like, for me, I'll just say Kimmy Schmidt, I felt like it got just so punny and too rapid fire towards the end in the last oh, it's, couple of it's, it's perfection. It, it is but, absolutely, it, n- nothing, no show made me happier this decade then <laughs> Kimmy Schmidt t- uh, Titus Andromeda is the best character outside you know outside you're, of you're Uncle Baby selling Billy. me you're selling me you're selling me right now it did make me really happy that show it's, it's the best. I definitely liked that show more than I liked Game of Thrones why is it not there and and, and also I mean the fact you know I, I have my issues with Netflix but Netflix gave me four seasons of this show you know what i mean and like so at least i i i always have i'll have a love-hate relationship i guess with them but uh yeah (laughs) unbreakable kimmy schmidt is is my number one pick but yeah you're kind of blowing my mind right now and also another thing before we wait wait wait. let's not let's not leave unbreakable kimmy schmidt yet because that's a great show i probably should have had it in my top 10 now that i think about it Uh it made me at least as happy 
at least as happy as Catastrophe. Like, I right. loved it. It was a hilarious, fun show. Made me, I mean, like, the very first episode where she's introducing herself to her new friends and she describes she <laughs> describes herself as a mole woman. She says, <laughs> I was a mole woman who was kept underground by a, uh, by a psychopath for, for 14 years. And before you ask, yes, there was sex stuff. <laughs> like, that was such a fucked up dork. Like, what the fuck? That was like the closest I've seen to Strangers with Candy. And I mean, the show shares a lot of DNA with Strangers with Candy. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. You know, uh, and I, I just wanted to say, uh, before we get on to talking about what you want to talk about with Louie, and we definitely will talk about it, uh, but as we were going through our list, something I hadn't written down and absolutely should have been in my honorable mentions, Ash vs. Evil Dead. Um, oh, yeah, that should be in your Obviously, the show did go downhill a little bit uh, in the last season. Uh, we never got the ending that they intended or anything like that, but if nothing else, after... 20 years i finally got an hour in the first episode directed by sam raimi starring bruce campbell of more evil dead so if nothing else it deserves its own special shout out here in our conversation on the number one so (laughs) so uh my number one is a little show that was called louis that ran from 2010 to 2015 technically i looked it up it's technically like also like like atlanta both shows are technically on hiatus right now. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, so That's what they like, call it. <laughs> whatever that means. Um, obviously, this show comes with an insane amount of baggage today. Yes. Uh, Louis C.K. in real life, um, there were shades of who he really is in the show. Uh-huh. He didn't really hide it. And we found out that he's kind of a really, like, not even a funny piece of shit, but a real piece of shit. And uh, in a lot of circles especially the circles where like comedy matters like LA and New York, he's probably still a pariah. Mm-hmm. Um, bears noting like he did not break any laws obviously, right. but he was a fucking nightmare for women to have to work with. If like, that's what women had to deal with to be around him. It's disgusting and repugnant and he deserves all the scorn that he gets. I think you would say maybe he deserves like 95% of the scorn that he gets. <laughs> um, <laughs> So he is very much, uh, if you were able to divorce him from, like, there are the two strains of the Me Too. There's the, like, this person should be in prison and under watch. And then there's the, like, this person is kind of a piece of shit. Um, He is the uber text of the Me Too conversations on that side of things. He is the, the main avatar. Whereas Harvey Weinstein, again, I hate to put his name in... With a bunch with with somebody who was an actual, you know, yeah, person rapist. who sexually assaulted people and broke the law, yeah. and but um on that on that that side of the end zone, right? Where on this side you have people who broke the law, on this side you have people that didn't, people yeah. who like really committed assault versus people who were just real real creeps and scumbags. Louis, the most prominent, I would say, of that, yeah, that side of it, um. Unlike others, I think that it's going to stick with him. We've already seen some people who obviously Louis uh, made an impression on and who who copied Louis, like uh, people who like like Aziz Ansari, um, sure. who have sort of started their rehabilitation because, again, there wasn't really that much to rehabilitate. They didn't do anything illegal, but like they were still pieces of garbage, right? So, and like creepy in their own ways. So... 
the show though was groundbreaking and you can't take that away i don't care what hell no. what happens uh yeah. this he did things with this show that no one has done since very few people tried to do um there was a was... moment dur- during the uh the final season of it where it, it basically could just be whatever it wanted i think there was wasn't there like a two-hour yeah. episode and then there was a 10 minute episode. <laughs> like, there was a there was whatever. a random dump there was a random double episode where they just made they just made it all flashback and the star was jeremy renner just yeah. for two episodes <laughs> they just had jeremy renner be the star of the show for two episodes oh and that was a uh, good one um as the guy that gave louis his first like drink of liquor or something like that i kind of want to rewatch the show now although i i wonder how difficult it's going to be to watch knowing this show you know absolutely in my opinion it birthed the like the the genre of a comedy that's not a comedy um definitely it's still that genre is still having a huge moment i talked about a lot of shows that are like that uh, well, let's be honest. It, almost everything is either Breaking Bad or Louie. Atlanta, Love, Master of None, Marin, Crashing, Baskets, Better Things, Barry, Barry, yeah, definitely Barry, 100% Transparent Barry. in some ways. I mean, like these shows, all that I, I said, Master of None, right? Yeah. Yep. These yep. shows all like sort of owe something. To Louis, if not for anything else, then guaranteed that all those shows, most of those shows at least, in the pitch room, the people were like, "Well, it's like Louis, but uh, I'm, yeah. I'm a Pakistani kid, you know. Yeah. It's like Louis, but uh, you know, it's three black friends in Atlanta. It's but like Louis, but it's Pete you know, Holmes, yeah, but it's Pete Holmes, <laughs> oh, um, and to this day." As much as I love Atlanta uh, and a bunch of those other shows, I, re- I actually really like Master of None. Master of None does oh, I love some really None. incredible yeah, stuff. It was on my honorable um, mention. I think that that shows, again, another one that's like on hiatus and is probably never coming back. Yeah. Um, but Louie did it better than all of them sure. in those five seasons that they gave that show. Uh, I know it's a complicated number one pick, but watch those five seasons of television and show me something that was better. I completely be my, my agree with you completely agree with you and yeah i i swear i i thought that show was pre-2010 that's why i didn't even include it on my list but yeah i mean it, it may very well have been at number one for me as well i mean definitely in the top three you know i had a little wrap up that i wanted to call the i don't know if you saw this or not uh the, the let me get back to use shows that are like literally just kind of starting out and I would say, like, in 10 years, they might be, or five years from now, if you do, like, a mid-decade break, they might be shows that I, I really love. Yeah. Um, some of them are, are pretty well-known, like um, Succession. It's a fun-ass show to watch. Righteous I, Gemstone. I, I love the theme to uh, Succession. It's great. Um, Succession, Righteous Gemstones, we mentioned. Los Espookies with uh, Fred Armisen is an incredible show. Never it's, seen it. Uh, it's about 75% in Spanish, so it's a lot of subtitles for you. For you. I can uh, not for a subtitle me. here or there. Okay. So, I strong recommend on Los Spookies because it's right up your alley. It's that same kind of humor that you and I love. Um, a different type of humor, but one that I really appreciated nonetheless. Black Lady Sketch Show. Wow. That's a funny-ass fucking show. Only mm-hmm. one season in. Black Monday with Don Cheadle. Uh, that's a great fucking show. 
um, on Becoming a God in Central Florida. Incredible fucking show. That's that's another show that comes close to what Lodge 49 was doing where it has things to say and it's saying them in a very weird and interesting way. But the only thing I really want to call out, the guy Stephen Conrad that made um, that made The Patriot has a show that completely flew under the radar this year, hoping that it comes back. So this is a show that was probably, I would say, the best show of last year, of 2019. It stars Ben Kingsley on fucking television, Dave. Ben wow. Kingsley. Uh, Jimmy awesome. Simpson, Luis Guzman, Damon Harriman, who's having a moment right now. Um, Jackie Weaver, a lot of great actors and actresses. Uh, again, created by Stephen Conrad. The name of the show is Perpetual Grace LTD. You and I have mm. talked about the show before yeah, yeah. in different contexts. Um, if this show makes it three seasons, it'll probably be my favorite show of all time. And uh, it's on a channel called Epics, which, yeah, I know. Good luck fucking finding it. Um, somebody needs to, somebody at HBO needs to snap up Stephen Conrad and just like open up his fucking head and figure out what story he wants to tell and give him a Watchmen style budget to, to, to tell it. Um, I think what he has to say about, this is another show that goes back to what I said about, uh, what I said about the Patriot. It talks about loneliness it talks about desperation a lot. It talks mm-hmm. about like what you do to try to make up for lost time, what you try to do for make up to make up for mistakes. The the lies we tell ourselves about how we can fix things that we fucked up in the past. Right. Um, lots of big themes, lots of fun, crazy, crazy scenes with Ben Kingsley just like just talking shit to people and beating the hell out of people and uh yeah. Uh, I don't want to ruin the plot. The plot is part of the magic. It's part of the fun. Uh, so if you can find it streaming on Epics, I think you can find Epics as like one of those sub channels nested in Amazon Prime. Go watch it. What do you got for some? Um, let me get back to you. Is there anything you're watching now that you think might be good later? Honestly, I've been watching nothing but movies lately, especially with piecing it together. Like I'm watching more movies than ever, and I the only thing I've watched is Righteous Gemstones twice through <laughs> that's it um so yeah i i'm sorry but i got nothing for this category well i don't care that you don't i no. don't no yeah, fuck you no. um all right well i think we've gone on long enough let's uh yeah. get the fuck out of here what uh what, what should people do dave hey. if you're hearing why you're like maybe you plug yeah your if you're hearing this on on the bird road feed uh come check out piecing it together we'd love to have you listening likewise the other way around Yes. If, and I mean, uh, I, Oh, and you know what? Come join the Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces group where we will, of course, be posting this and hopefully people will argue about what we picked. And that's on Reddit? It's on Facebook. Okay. Sorry about that. We're not on Facebook, Bird Road. Bird Road's not on Facebook. Uh, actually, I, th- I think I could have swore I just saw someone like Bird Road on Facebook the other day, but I know you deactivated the account. So tell I don't them know to how stop. that's possible. <laughs> tell them, tell to them, stop. Tell them to stop. <laughs> tell them not to do that. Don't do that. Um, hey, take that back. So can I ask you a question, Q, while we wrap this thing up? Yeah. Yeah. Is, is this uh, is, is this going to be the beginning of us doing some more bird roads? Oh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it. We'll see how it all shakes out. Okay. How all, all right. the how all the crumbs shake out of my ass. Well, thank you for being here and piecing it together and. Uh, 
you're welcome for me being here on Bird Road where I co-host and of course I'm you. on it. You're the co-host. I don't want to thank you for being on a show that, that I mean like is that how low you're welcome. the standards <laughs> at Yellow Attica. 